This is Cindy, and I'm from the eastern coal fields of Kentucky. And I never, never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomar. Never. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Right, let's get into this. A day late, better late than never, they say. I am your host for this 239th installment of I Doubt It with Dollamore, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, real eager to get this done, or to get on with it, (laughs) my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. Hello. Here we are. Yes. Later than normal, mm-hmm. getting to the episode due to, I'm not going to go into detail, but technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. I'm just not a very smart guy. Well. I don't have, that's not a skill set of mine. Well, when you say you're not a very smart guy, you're, you're speaking to one area, right? Which is the, well, the technical sure. difficulties area. <laughs> I'm sure there's more than one area in which I'm not a smart guy. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but generally speaking, you are a smart guy. Here's the deal. I don't... We can't skip days. Because especially right now with fewer than 90 days left to the election, fewer than 80 days left to the election, shit piles up. Right. And luckily, we're we're two days out now, and the the things I wanted to talk about are still relevant. I think this would be probably the last day, and we'll get this out here in another hour and a half or so, and everyone will have their their fix, you know. Well, that kind of happens where we want to record, but things are actively happening. Yeah, and we kind of think, oh, well, we want to talk about these things that are happening now, so maybe we should wait. <laughs> there have been there have been moments over the course of the past two and a half years or so, however long we've been doing this, that uh, I've wanted to get to the mics right away for like a little supplemental, mm-hmm. but I can't be running to the microphone for like a 10 or 15 minute segment every time something comes up. Yeah, you'd have to do that all day, (laughs) every day. I'll just like break out my iPhone and start talking into the iPhone and then (laughs) splice it in. Now, here's some random thoughts, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everyone would love that. Right. Well, there are some who probably would. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we do have a lot to get to, so I want to get to it. We do have a listener voicemail to get to. So let's let's hit that up first. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Chris from Lenore City. I was going to thank you guys for hosting the um, the Google Hangout today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was interesting being able to listen to you guys talk and then actually be able to speak back to you guys and be able to ask questions and make comments and everything. Thank you guys very much for doing that. I look forward to the next one. Have a great day. And Jesse's the best part. Bye. So that's the other thing is we did our Patreon, PayPal supporter, Google Hangouts on Mm -hmm. Tuesday and Saturday of last week. Yeah. And it was a good time. Yeah, it was awesome. I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to go because I didn't really go into it with a plan, as was evidence as soon as we got in there, that it was (laughs) not a moderated kind of thing. I wasn't driving for an agenda. But it was great. Some questions were asked of us, and uh, we all... As a group, just talked about stuff. We have some awesome listeners. We really do. Smart, funny. It was good. A lot of laughing. Yeah. And so if you are listening right now and wondering what the hell we're talking about, if you are a Patreon supporter or a PayPal supporter, you have access to the Google Hangout reward, right? Right. Which is what we're going to start doing every month without fail. Yes. (laughs) 
what a commitment. <laughs> so that is a, a new thing that we're starting, a new type of reward that we're doing. So a little bit of incentive there. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's a good, it's a good uh, method by which to kind of get to know the audience. And I think eventually there'll be a comfort level there because it is, it's kind of like meeting people almost in real life that you've known like a distance from afar and then it's you don't really know what to say and there will be a comfortable level, comfortability level there god damn take a day off and can't talk uh where they could say yeah i don't like it when you guys do that or i do like i don't know if i want to start inviting that because then if i don't change something someone wants changed they'll feel slighted mm-hmm because I don't know if you know, Brittany Page, but I pretty much fucking do what I want to do. I know that. And if I like doing something that someone doesn't like, I, I, yeah, that's... Never mind. Belay my last, everyone. I will continue doing the shitty show that I've grown accustomed to doing. <laughs> yes. But thank you, Chris, for the call. And thank you for your Patreon support. We appreciate it very much. And like I said, that's going to start being a monthly occurrence... I just have to get, uh, again, the technology figured out. I don't know how many people can be on a call, how many calls we'll have to schedule. I know there's a lot of people who aren't even interested in something like that, and that's fine too. But uh, look forward to that. It'll be a, a real good time. All right. Well, let's, let's get into this. Um, first, this is something we've been wanting to talk about, and... This is creeping up on us, folks. The debates. Um, I guess before we get into it, because we're going to talk about what exactly the requirements are um, for the third party candidates to get in there and what, I guess, the likelihood is of that. But before we do, what exactly is the schedule, Brittany Page? So the first presidential debate is Monday, September 26th. And the first vice presidential debate is Tuesday, October 4th. Mm. And then they're doing a second presidential debate if the first one goes well and Donald Trump wants to keep debating. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sunday, October 9th. And then the final third presidential debate is scheduled for Wednesday, October 19th. So really, the, the most professional, typical debate with seasoned politicians will be the vice presidential debate this time because Mike Pence is, you know, he might be a moron, um, a charlatan, a hate monger, sellout, <laughs> but he is a, 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 a real deal politician. He's just extreme, extreme Christian wing of the party. Yeah, well, and, and what I like is that they're already giving how the debate is going to be structured for each one, oh. too. So for the first debate, it's going to be divided into six time segments of approximately 15 minutes on each major topic that will be selected by the moderator and announced at least one week before the debate. Right. So they have time to brush up. But not much. <laughs> not going to be a pop quiz situation. <laughs> And they're going to open each segment with a question, after which each candidate will have two minutes to respond, and then they can respond to each other, which is terrifying to think about. But the vice presidential debate is going to be structured the same, except for it's going to be nine segments each 10 minutes. What I'm looking forward to is the second presidential debate on October 9th, because this is going to be uh, like a town hall meeting type oh, yeah, forum. Yeah. And half of the questions will be posed directly from citizen participants and the other half from the moderators. What's great about that is up to this point, because CNN did all kinds of town halls, mm -hmm. uh, up to this point, Donald Trump has just sat in his chair yeah. and like craned his neck around to look at whoever was asking the question. Well, he's too good to get yeah, up for these peasants. That's exactly how it comes across <laughs> that he is. I am the Royal Donald Trump and I shan't stand. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have that in my head as his voice. That but is not how he talks. <laughs> that is not how he talks, but it'll be, it, it'll be interesting to see what the new campaign staff and we're going to get to that, but how they will tweak his behavior up to this point to get him to, because if he's sitting and Hillary Clinton's standing up like a gracious candidate, uh -huh. which also is a <laughs> bizarre for me to say, not true. <laughs> She's faking it real good. 
Um, well, that's what you got to do as a politician. It'll be interesting to see if he continues with his old behavior and she's doing the standard politician thing. Right. Well, that's all he has to do is the standard politician thing. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's all that is required of him. Just stand up respectfully while people ask you questions, dick. And act like you care. <laughs> That, that is what you do. It might be beyond his ability. I think it might be. So that'll be interesting. And then the other thing, and this would be kind of a, along the lines of what the requirements are, because I'm still, I think it's very unlikely, more unlikely than not, how about that, that uh, Gary Johnson and the Libertarian Party get to take part in these debates. I think it would be awesome if they were allowed in. Um, Jill Stein, there's a next to zero chance that they're going to get to 15% within the next month. So uh, we'll just count that out. Right. So Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are the only two definite participants since they are pulling well above the commission's 15% threshold for invitations. The Democrat party and Republican party run commission. There isn't a libertarian voice party wise on the debate commission. So it is a Democrat Republican collusion kind of a situation. So Gary Johnson and Jill Stein are below the threshold and trying to change that between now and mid-September. That's when the commission selection criteria will be applied. On Monday, the commission announced that five polls will be averaged together to determine who is receiving 15% support nationwide. Now, Those- five, five, hang on, five polls that have not yet been named. They'll no, they choose, have. oh, they have named them now. Yeah, that's oh. what I was getting ready to read. Well, I like interrupting okay. and talking. The polls are ABC, Washington Post, CBS, New York Times, CNN, Opinion Research Corporation, Fox News, and NBC, Wall Street Journal. Hmm. All right. So those are the five polls, and they say they were chosen with the quote-unquote professional advice of Frank Newport, editor-in-chief of Gallup. Well, we will see. I even think with an election like this, as unprecedented as it is, they need to steer toward the appearance of propriety, not impropriety. They need to really have this thing be above board. Otherwise, it's going to look like the fix is in. Well, and that's what's interesting about the the one thing they haven't revealed is the specific date that this criteria will be applied. All they're saying, all right. all they're saying is that the criteria will be applied in quote unquote mid November. But there's no, I mean, mid-September, sorry. But there's no exact date. So if he dips above 15% and then back down below 15%, then, oh, sorry, you didn't make the cut. It could be one of those deals. Although this is positive because they say the criteria will be reapplied between the first and second presidential debates and the second and third presidential debates. Hmm. So if they don't get in the first time... There's still an opportunity to get in the second one and the third one. Although if they miss the opportunity with the first one, their vice presidential candidate won't be invited to the vice presidential debate. I think that's less important because that's not the actual person who's running the goddamn country. Although Gary Johnson's vice presidential candidate. Bill, is solid. Bill Wells. Yeah, yeah, he I mean, he's. <laughs> very well spoken. Yeah. Um. When he's next to Gary Johnson, it almost seems like the ticket should be flipped, right? He's a successful governor of Massachusetts. So I think that would look yeah. good in yeah. a vice presidential debate, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we will certainly be following up on this. We will be covering all of the debates in special bonus episodes. And uh, goddamn, I am looking forward to that a lot. A lot, Brittany. I, I can tell. <laughs> a lot of excitement in here. There is palpable. The energy. Super good. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Again, if you'd like to take part in those those Google Hangouts that we're doing, that would be the way. Become a Patreon or PayPal supporter, and we would love to meet you. 
at the, uh, I guess it's still August, next month sometime, toward the end of the month, we're going to do that, and it's going to be real, real good. A real fun time. <laughs> All right. Let's get in to the ever-maddening presidential politics of these United States of America. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Now, just as we did last episode, although it is kind of against the grain of what we normally do, we're going to start with Hillary Clinton once again. I know we don't spend a lot of time dissecting Hillary Clinton and that, that campaign, mainly because they're not burning down the shop at every at every take, every chance they get, like the Trump campaign. Well, it's not just that you sometimes talk about Hillary Clinton. It's that you, and I'm talking about you, you <laughs> never talk about Hillary Clinton. That is never a topic oh, yeah, that comes I get up it, on the I show. get it, I get it. But we, we do have people who follow the Facebook page or also friends of mine on Facebook who, because I criticize Donald Trump as much as, I, as as much and as often as I do, that they're like, well, why don't you ever do a video on Hillary Clinton? Why don't you ever say something about Hillary Clinton? <laughs> well, well, because I don't fear that there's an existential crisis surrounding a presidency of Hillary Clinton. Well, not only that, you have and you do criticize Hillary right. Clinton. You've made how many videos about Hillary Clinton? Three? Uh, at least three, yeah. At least three, and... She does come up and not positively when talked about on the show. So come on now. Yeah. Well, here we are once again going to talk about Hillary Clinton. And again, the issue with what these emails have released. And now they found about 15,000 new emails that weren't turned over to the FBI, that weren't turned over to the State Department. Things aren't looking good. It is a bummer. She is a flawed candidate. She shouldn't be president of the United States. And it's only because of serendipity. It is only because of the astronomically damaging, terrible candidate that Donald Trump is that she's going to end up in the White House. In a move after this last batch of controversy surrounded her, they have said, she and Bill Clinton have said, that Bill Clinton will not be at the helm of the Clinton Foundation. And furthermore, the Clinton Foundation isn't going to take corporate or foreign donations while she is in the White House. The Clinton campaign is hoping to put a controversy behind it. Juliana Goldman reports that the charitable Clinton Foundation says it will no longer accept foreign or corporate money if Hillary Clinton is elected. Of the nearly 40 top donors that have given $5 million or more to the Clinton Foundation, over half are foreign entities, individuals, or governments, including Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. The donations have led to questions about potential conflicts of interest when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and if she were to become president. And it's provided fodder for Donald Trump. Has Hillary Clinton apologized for turning the State Department into a pay-for-play operation where favors are sold to the highest bidder. The foundation has raised more than $2 billion over the last 15 years, promoting programs focused on global health and economic development. Clinton stepped down ahead of the campaign, leaving her husband and daughter to run the organization. Under pressure last year, the charity limited donations from foreign governments. If his wife wins, Bill Clinton said he'll also step down. And while he said the changes weren't in response to outside pressure, the move could help neutralize at least one of the central ethical questions hanging over her campaign. Because the changes aren't immediate, it still leaves Clinton open to criticism that donors may be trying to curry favor before the election. Scott, a foundation, a foundation official, said their priority is to maintain the programs that help millions of people and to presume the outcome of the election would be premature. Juliana Goldman in the Washington newsroom tonight. Juliana, thank you. So my question would be, if it is a conflict of interest while she's president and important enough to to cut back or refuse to take those types of donations 
when she's president of the United States, why wasn't it a concern when she was secretary of state? That seems like a problem. Well, I also love how in the clip she said that they're saying this move isn't because of outside influence. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, then why now? Why all of a sudden is this changing? If it's not from outside influence, what, you just randomly got this idea, you haven't been watching the news, nothing. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with any scandal, Brittany Page. No, it's not because of that. There's clearly a reason here. Right. And no, the reason is the outside influence. It's just coincidence. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> God damn. I mean, saying things like that, it's almost insulting, right? It's absolutely insulting. It's the same kind of insulting that Donald Trump does and his, his surrogates do on a daily basis. Yeah. It's because scandals are just synonymous with Clinton administrations, with Clinton stints as Secretary of State. They believe that they are above the rules that everybody else has to follow. Conflict of interest? Ah, what do you mean? I'm going to enrich in myself. I should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. It really is a problem. All right. Well, up next is going to be very painful for the lovely and talented Brittany Page. Dr. Drew Penske. Oh, God. Who has long been. Mm -hmm. Is it too much to say an idol? Of yours? No. I mean, you came of age, and your your love and devotion to the occupation of psychology came about because of Dr. Drew and his decades, many decades long run on Loveline. For years, I have referred to Dr. Drew as my pseudo-parent. Yes. Because I genuinely felt as though he had a hand in raising me. He was like a uh, a lighthouse. Showing you the direction so you didn't smash your 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 ship into the rocks. An interesting way to put it. Um, yeah, I, I actually met him. I think you mean awesome way. I actually met him <laughs> when I first moved to California. And he was on a book tour for his book, The Mirror Effect, about celebrity narcissism and its influence on America. And I gave him a letter that I had written him about how he changed my life. And then he goes and does what he's doing today. Yeah. So there have been questions that have been raised by the Donald Trump campaign, not by anyone of any credibility, not by anyone of any independent motivation, that Hillary Clinton's health is in jeopardy, that there's a problem here. And it's only fear mongering and conspiracy to, to raise doubts in the minds of American voters as to her her competency or the efficacy uh, a, a, as president because, oh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Well, Dr. Drew went on a local Los Angeles radio program called McIntyre in the Morning, one of the AM stations, and was asked about this not as a voter, not as a, a concerned American, but as a doctor, as an internal medicine doctor. So for those of you who just think he's a TV guy like Dr. Phil, he is not. He is a USC medical school grad. He's an internist. He is internal medicine doctor. He is a real, real doctor. Well, he was questioned about it, and he said a lot of stuff. So in this clip, I condensed about a 10-minute interview down to just a few minutes and it'll fade and then come back. And it's when they start chattering about other things, I cut that out. So this isn't altogether unedited. However, I didn't cut and splice. I just fade when they start rambling on about things that don't matter. And as he does every Tuesday at this time, Dr. Drew joins us right now. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm great. Hey, okay. Uh, thanks for being with us. And uh, is Hillary okay? Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this because... There's been a whole bunch of stories. Of course, we know Mrs. Clinton had a uh, some kind of a health issue a, a year or so back, a couple years ago, when she had a fall. And she is rumored to have these balance issues. And this photograph showed up of her being helped up the steps after slipping on a stair. Now it turns out that picture actually is from February 
Uh, and, uh, you know, Hannity inexplicably spent an entire week, you know, trying to analyze her health from still photos. And, Hannity? Yeah, and innuendo. Uh, but I wanted to get your take on this because, you know, is it first of all, is it fair for us to be making health evaluations based on images that we see in the media? Because, you know, if a camera was on me, I trip and stumble all the me time. Me too. Yeah, I, I'm very concerned about people, journalists and people with no medical training, making, even discussing this issue. They need to bring physicians in. And there's not a lot we can tell from visual images I mean, unless we see, you know, major neurological changes or a rash or something. But the fact is she released her medical records some time ago. And if you listen to my show last week, I just I just called a friend of mine, Dr. Robert Heisinger, who's an excellent internist pulmonologist, and we just dispassionately sat and evaluated the medical record that she had released. And based on the information that she has provided and her doctors have provided, we were gravely concerned, not just about her health care, not about her health, but her health care. Why? Well, it's, it's hard for people to understand. I mean, both of us concluded that if we were providing the care that she was receiving, We'd be ashamed to show up in the doctor's lounge. We'd be laughed out. It's, it's, she's receiving sort of 1950-level sort of care by our evaluation. So here's the basic facts. And by the way, before I launch into it, I don't know if you saw the New York Times this morning, but the science section, is a, as we're sort of seeing here. But let's go back to Hillary. So we, we took a look at her record, and here are the basic facts. She had two episodes of what's called deep venous thrombosis. Common problem, blood clots in the leg. She also has hypothyroidism. And she'd been treated for hypothyroidism with something called Armour Thyroid, which is very unconventional and something that we used to use back in the 60s. And both he and I went, hmm, that's weird. And by the way, wow, uh, Armour Thyroid sometimes has some weird side effects. Oh, well, okay. So she goes on Coumadin. That's weird uh, because Coumadin really isn't even used anymore. Now we use Eliquis or Xarelto, things like this. Certainly the, somebody, the presidential candidate, would get one of the newer anticoagulants. Then she hmm. falls, hits her head. And as a complication of that has something called a transverse sinus thrombosis. This is an exceedingly rare clot. I've only seen one of these in my career, which is a clot in the collecting system for the cerebral spinal fluid. And it essentially guarantees that somebody has something wrong with their coagulation system. Well, she's had two clots, a transverse sinus thrombosis. What's wrong with her coagulation system? Has that been evaluated? And oh, by the way, armor thyroid? associated rarely with hypercoagulability. So the very medicine the doctors are using may be causing this problem, and they're using an old-fashioned medicine to treat it. What is going on with her health care? It's bizarre. i got to tell you, look, maybe they have reasons, but at a distance, it looks bizarre. Hmm. Uh, we're talking with, of course, uh, Dr. Drew, who is heard every day on this. ...that are going to lead the country are going to be making these important decisions. This, again, Hillary may be fine with all of this. I mean, it's, it's dangerous and it's concerning, but you can see. And by the way, when she, there are two other things that gravely concerned us. When she hit her head, she had to wear these prism glasses right. when she came out. Right. That is brain damage, and so that, and it's affecting her balance. Now, clearly it hasn't affected her cognition, but tell us a little more about that. That's profound. And then number two, when they screened her for heart disease, again, they did an old-fashioned screen. It just seems like she's getting care from somebody that she met in Arkansas when she was a kid. And uh, I just, you got to wonder, you got to wonder. It's, it's no, not so much that her health is a, is a grave concern, it's that the care she's getting could make it a concern. Well, it's fascinating, and I know that, you know, there's a whole industry that has uh, arisen out of uh, analysis of, uh, of people that, you know, by proxy, if you will, or it's medical analysis and even psychological analysis. Well, and, and from my perspective, you know, I, I definitely agree that we shouldn't be doing deep analytical, you know, concluding anything except sort of saying, in cases like this, and here's how we'd evaluate it, and here's our concerns. We can't, it's hard to conclude anything. It's, by the way, even harder to say that that's a liability as opposed to an asset, whatever particular condition we're looking at. But I think that clinicians have an obligation to help people hmm. interpret what's going on in the press because there's so much nonsense out there. All right. Hey, Dr. Drew, as always, we appreciate it. Follow Dr. Come Drew. Come on, Dr. Drew. You can't have it both ways, brother. You can't say that that her health isn't a grave concern or that people shouldn't be doing deep analytical, making deep analytical conclusions about anything 30 seconds after you say that she has brain damage because of prism glasses.
I mean, we did our own little bit of, of, of internet research to find out what are prism glasses and what did we find out? Well, anyone can put in prism glasses into Google and see, I guess, many people have brain damage because they're asking questions about their prism glasses for their double vision. Right. It, 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 it is a, a remedy for double vision. Or but, brain damage, I guess. But apparently Dr. <laughs> Drew, who doesn't want to make any, oh, I don't want to be rash. I don't want to make any deep analytical conclusions about the health of Hillary Clinton. But I'm going to say that she has brain damage. So one thing that really concerned me about what he was saying is he said, what is going on with her health care? And then he said, well, maybe they have reasons, but. And he went right. further into explaining how everything about her health care is scaring him and basically indicating to him that she has a serious health problem. Many, yeah. many serious health problems. Oh, yeah. Well, everything from brain damage to blood clots. But the thing is, maybe they have their reasons Okay, I think that this point needs to be considered for a longer amount of time than it was in Dr. Drew's brain. Because sure. how much are the Clintons worth? Uh, $50 million? Right. Uh, a so, lot. so they're worth this vast amount of money, but she's going to go to some backwoods doctor who doesn't know what they're doing. Well, there might be a reason, a legitimate right. Medical reason that she's being prescribed a quote unquote very unconventional treatment, a quote unquote medication that is outdated, right? There might be a reason for that. And you don't know that reason. Well, the other thing he did say that, well, maybe this is somebody she knew when she was in 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 uh, Arkansas, like making that. It's just some, like you said, backwater doctor. Mm -hmm. Lisa Bardak isn't that. She is an upstate New York director of internal medicine at the Mount Sinai Health System. She, she's not some hillbilly. Right. So there is a there must be a reason that uh, millionaires right. <laughs> are receiving this kind of treatment. Right. Millionaire Hillary Clinton is receiving this, quote unquote, unconventional treatment from an Ivy League educated physician. What I also love is when people, you know, he's a man of science. He's a doctor uses this kind of anecdotal way of analyzing things. Yes. Well, I've never seen this in my practice. And so what? There's only one way to do it, Brittany. It's the Dr. Drew way. Well, that's you can't base your analysis on what you alone have experienced or what you alone have seen. Or you and one other doctor that you chose to look at these records. Yeah. I mean, it's just strange that a man of science would immediately go to, whoa, I haven't seen this before. I haven't experienced it. That's weird. There's a problem here. Right. This is alarming. I think that's very problematic. And I have been saying all along that I think diagnosing Donald Trump from afar is also a problem. Right. I think it's very strange to be diagnosing people well, from afar. I found that to be interesting. It's part of the stuff that I cut out. Like I said, when it faded out and then faded back in, that was me just removing several minutes of them talking about like Donald Trump and part of the stuff that I did remove was Donald was was Dr. Drew saying the things that Donald Trump can absolutely not be diagnosed with he's not a malignant narcissist so he's he's making judgments about what Donald Trump is not but about what Hillary Clinton is brain damaged uh, Donald Trump oh no He's not, there's no way he's a malignant narcissist because I've seen him on TV and his kids still hang around him. And to be honest, I, un I understand what Dr. Drew was trying to convey at the end there when he said, you know, we shouldn't be concluding anything in cases, we should be using language that says in cases like this, right? Right. But the thing is, that's not what happens when you go on the radio yeah. and you are Dr. Drew. Well, he didn't even do that. And you start making pronouncements and people who hate Hillary Clinton and want to latch on to literally anything they can yeah. to share on social media to discredit her and her presidential campaign. It doesn't matter if you say, well, you know, I'm not concluding anything here. I'm just saying. Right. That is irresponsible from my perspective. Well, it, it is a problem. In this business, our business, and I realize we're not on, uh, you know, the number one or number two radio market in the country, um, Los Angeles. 
But when you have an AM talk radio morning show, you're not there to really unpack the facts and talk about things in a reasonable way. You're there for headlines. You're there to have Dr. Drew come on and say something sensational. And that shouldn't be Dr. Drew's role. He shouldn't play into that. Even if it's on the sister station to the the FM radio show he does with that Mike guy, whatever, Cathwell or whatever. So that's an element, too, that Dr. Drew, we're watching him jump the shark. We're watching him be a publicity hound for his current endeavors, his current projects. And that he's no longer a doctor. Well, I don't think that that's the case. Um, so you think that he's being responsible? Well, how can you say he's no longer a doctor? I don't mean literally he's no longer a licensed physician. He's not act, he's 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 an entertainer. So we need to know when he has Dr. Drew entertainer hat on and when he puts the Dr. Drew doctor stethoscope on because he wasn't being a doctor while on the on the radio with McIntyre in the morning. He was being an entertainer here, in my estimate. Mm -hmm. And it's disappointing because I, like you, I do have, it's diminishing, but I do have a lot of respect for him as a healer, Mm -hmm. as someone who is to do no harm. Mm -hmm. Instead, now, he is misleading however many people are listening to the show and taking him at his word that Hillary Clinton has brain damage. Come on. It is patently irresponsible. All right. Well, listen, th- there has been a major shakeup in the Donald Trump campaign as far as the staff is concerned. We all know Corey Lewandowski, the man who likes to assault women on campaign events, he was fired. Paul Manafort was brought in. All kinds of questions started being raised about his connection to Russia, his connection to the pro-Russia political party in Ukraine. And now he has been sacked and Kellyanne Conway and Steve Bannon, the guy who runs Breitbart News, has been brought in to run the show. This is a, a, a brash move. And they are purportedly supposed to let Trump be Trump, although... Over the course of the last few days, he's really been, for the most part, sticking to the teleprompter, which isn't letting Trump be Trump. But we have seen a precipitous freefall in the numbers, in the polling, nationally and state by state, since the Democratic National Convention. There are some states where she's leading in double digits. Some states that Donald Trump up to this point has been acting as though he needs to win. States like Pennsylvania, states like Virginia, states in the Northeast. Well, the other day on CNN, Brianna Keeler was on with Michael Cohen. He is the attorney for the Trump organization, the business side of things, not the campaign side. And there is this odd cloud of denial around the Trump campaign that I find very hilarious because this is the same campaign that won't shut their mouths about the polls. Oh, I'm way up in the polls. I'm blah, blah, the polls, the polls, the polls until things start going against them. All right. Well, let me ask you about this. So you say you say it's not a shakeup, but you guys are down and it makes sense that there would. Says who? Most of them. All of them? Says who? (laughs) Polls. I just told you I answered your question. Okay. Which polls? All of them. Okay. And your question is? Okay. So my question is, I don't think it is really surprising when facing a challenge and trying to make a turnaround that there would be some, let's let's at least say some adjustments, okay? So I guess what my real question is here that I did not get to get to is what is the point of this? If you're calling it an expansion of, of winners, as you put it, working on the campaign, what is it about? What, to, what, to what end? 
Well, I think bringing on somebody like Kellyanne Conway was a great move, and it was something, personally, I would have liked to have seen happen earlier, but the campaign wasn't ready for it. Uh, now they are. I think she's a brilliant individual. I think that, you know, um, she understands the data that's coming in. Look, Hillary Clinton's got 14, I think, or 13 different pollsters that are working on creating her message. So when she talks about usage of a teleprompter by Donald Donald Trump. She would have no clue without her script writers and her teleprompter. It's used in order to keep you on message, very much like you guys do on the morning when you're on television. You use teleprompters because it keeps you on your message. But these are Donald Trump's words. He's going to stay true to who he is, and he's going to end up in all fairness, he's going to end up winning this election come November because people are seeing through the nonsense. Except for the fact that he's down double digits in very important states. And what was all this? Says who? <laughs> what are they doing when they when they wheel out these morons to go on TV and completely discredit any legitimate uh, any legitimacy to their campaign? Why is a, a lawyer for the business talking about campaign business? It doesn't make any sense. Well, and this is another kind of embarrassing denial, which is um, the amount of time that Donald Trump spent talking about the polls in the beginning has drastically reduced today because says who? <laughs> because <laughs> the polls are not good for him. They're not painting a a bright picture, right? And so there's no need to talk about them anymore. You know, says who? The the crowd size still big, so he's going to keep talking about the crowd size. But the polls, no. Right. Well, that leads me. That's a perfect segue. That uh, Eric Bowling is a guy who hosts. I guess he could be considered the Five. Is a show over on Fox News, and he is an unabashed Donald Trump supporter. He's the. He doesn't wear a tie. He's some kind of investment banker guy who went over to the TV side. And he is desperately trying to explain away why the polls don't matter. And he's using that very thing, Brittany Page. He's using crowd size to make his point for him. These polls, Dana, I'm honestly, you, we, we have to stop with these polls. They're insane with the polls. You look at these, just look what's going on. You look at a Trump rally and there's 12 15,000 10,000 people you cannot believe and then you look Eric, at Hillary Clinton and you have I don't know 1500 2000 but that speaks a real, that's to a me real disservice a poll 82 days out it's a real disservice to to whom his supporters to lie to them that the camp that those polls don't matter you cannot take 12,000 people at a rally that are your definite supporters they are going to show up the campaign well, and then well, say the polls are wrong she has that opportunity but one too. person si sitting at home still cancels it's out somebody fair. at a rally it's not here's fair why, here's why polls really shouldn't matter or shouldn't ever matter you pick up the phone and you say will you who are you going to vote for that person on the other end of the phone says well i'm going to vote for hillary clinton but they're when not the, out there voting but when the, the polls people are, are good, getting out in the street the and going to a rally those are people who get up off the couch and go hear something and go say something. That, that's why I think You're saying they're the motivated. size of crowds is more indicative of following or even yeah. polling but, than actual people. But, calling, but I would say that a person sitting home getting up to vote cancels out the person there. It's the same value. I mean, that's exactly what we said in 2012. Uh, when people that supported Romney were told that the polls are wrong, Romney's going to win, and then they were so mad and disappointed. Yeah, they stopped watching because they thought we lied to them, <laughs> yeah. and, they did, and we deserved it. And Why? even Kellyanne Conway this morning talking to Bill and yeah. Martha said the polls are right, but they, they think that right. the polls can be turned <laughs> around. So we're seeing this by all kinds of people, not just goofs like Eric Bowling, people who wouldn't shut their mouths about the polls six months ago. Oh, the polls, the polls, the polls. Donald Trump spending a half hour of his speeches talking about the polls. Well, now that he's losing in the polls, substantially, eh, there's less talk. Even on Twitter, there's less talk about the tweets there's less talk about the polls than there used to be. Well, why doesn't anyone who's interested in talking about this subject go and actually learn how polls work? 
you can go do that. Yeah. Go learn about how sampling works. Go read Gallup. Go figure out on these sites what they do, okay? Because he's saying, look at how many people are going and how big Donald Trump's crowds are compared to the polling numbers. And also, Donald Trump, the crowds that they're talking about are represented by the same polls that they're shitting on. They're not like this uncounted group of people. They're represented by the polls. The scientific polls. Well, Dana Perino, she used to be the the lady you just heard there talking. She used to be the press secretary for George W. Bush. She's not a liberal. She's not a Democrat. She apparently is getting all kinds of shit now because she is warning people. She is trying to get people's expectations in alignment about a possible Donald Trump loss or at the very least about the catch-up that they have to do in the polls. Recently, she was on with Bill O'Reilly talking about this, and she went into a little bit more detail about what she is facing and her feelings about it. So what's the primary beef against you? Well, I think a lot of Republicans just expect me to be a cheerleader for the candidate. And it's one, it's not my job to do that. And also, I saw what happened in 2012 when Republicans were sold a bill of goods that Romney was going to win. Yeah, we just heard the, the polling numbers, thing. Right. Yeah, and Shannon Bream right. did that very well. And I remember Bob Beckel actually saying to me the Friday night before the election, he's like, Dana, these numbers, Romney is not going to win. And mm. I went home thinking, Bob's wrong. And that night on election night, I sat next to him and I was like, Bob was right. And I vowed just to never do that again. It's a disservice to the viewers and the voters and to the candidate. But I, you don't badmouth Trump. No, do I don't. No, they want me to say something positive all the time. They want me to say that things are looking up, that things are going to be great. The state of the GOP race right now is really bad. No candidate that has been this far behind in August has ever gone on to win. Now, that could change. There's 11 weeks to go. The debates Yeah, it's a important. different time. I mean, but, yeah, the debates But you big. have even the candidate and his and his supporters starting to tell their, their voters that the Polls are rigged, that's not true. That the crowd size matters more than the polls, that's not true. That his social media presence is so big and robust that it's going to blow away Hillary Clinton. Well, that's the hope. The, the hope is that, that the Trump campaign will mobilize people who haven't, uh, haven't voted before. But how about your association with Bush? I mean, you know, there's bad blood between the Bush family and the Trump campaign. And rightly so. I mean, you know, Donald Trump worked over Jeb Bush. He wanted to impeach him. Yeah, and, and then he said that, that he lied, that the President Bush the Younger lied about Iraq. And so then he knew about 9-11. Yeah, so there's bad blood there. And then you are a former employee of the Bush presidency, and you like and respect the Bush I family. Did, I'm just gonna, does that have anything to do with, with how you analyze Trump? I have thought from the beginning that Trump would very much be able to get 35 to 40 percent of the vote and not win the general election. I said that on June 16th, 2015, on the day that he announced his election. I don't want the Republicans to lose. I believe that conservative values and principles and our policies are much better than liberal ones. But I also don't think that it is right to tell people that we are going to win this. Hillary Clinton starts with 242 electoral votes. She needs 270 to win. He's down in every battleground state. He's down with most demographic groups. This is not a, a general election strategy that so can be So are you today calling for a landslide, 60-40 in favor am, of Clinton? I am not. I, I absolutely believe that these polls will tighten mm -hmm. between now and Election Day. But I do not think that by any stretch of the imagination that it is right to tell people that just because he has very enthusiastic rallies, that that means that there's going to be a surprise and the polls are wrong. Polls in America, the presidential polls have been correct since 1952. And we should believe them. And I didn't do that in 2012, and yeah. I learned a lesson from it. Okay. So Bill O'Reilly there trying to throw fuel on the fire of discrediting her opinion because she's close to the Bush family. Because he's solidly in the Trump camp. He tries to act like he's some independent in this matter. He's not. He's carrying water for Trump. Well, and I don't even think it's necessarily about Trump for Bill O'Reilly. I think it's about Republicans. And I think like Dana Perino said, she learned her lesson in 2012 when she wouldn't admit what the polls were actually saying, similar to when Megyn Kelly had her spat with um, <laughs> Carl Rove, Carl Rove, <laughs> who also didn't believe 
the results that were coming in as they were coming in because they refuse to believe that they're losing and that they're going to lose again. Yeah. Well, and it's because of their own dysfunction and being out of touch with the American people. Well, in part of this rebranding of Donald Trump and this campaign shakeup, letting Trump be Trump, he did come out very coincidentally the day after Paul Manafort was out and he brought in these new people. The day after, all of a sudden, he feels regret for some of the things he said. As you know, I'm not a politician. It's good. I've worked in business, created a great company, created lots of jobs, rebuilding neighborhoods. That's what I've done all of my adult life. I've never wanted to learn the language of the insiders, and I've never been politically correct. It takes far too much time. (laughs) True. True. Truthfully, it takes far too much time and can often make it more difficult to achieve total victory. Sometimes in the heat of debate and speaking on a multitude of issues, you don't choose the right words or you say the wrong thing. I have done that. And believe it or not, I regret it. And if you could only see his face right now. Smug. Disingenuous. And I do regret it. Particularly where it may have caused personal pain. Too much is at stake for us to be consumed with these issues. But one thing I can promise you this, I will always tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Laughable. So that's only a day after he gets new people on the campaign in charge that all of a sudden there's this miraculous turnaround in his attitude about apologizing, even though that's not really an apology. No, he didn't say I apologize and he won't ever say I apologize. He makes a thing of the fact that he does not apologize. That's like a, a personality characteristic that he's proud of. Right. So when he is calling women fat pigs and dogs and calling people lower than human, that's not during the heat of the debate. And that's not just choosing the wrong words. That's being an entitled asshole. That is being Donald Trump. So don't let this new flavor of Donald Trump fool you. This is political calculation is what this is. Well, again, only a few days after the new staff, Donald Trump is now pivoting toward trying to get his numbers up with minority communities. Here is him on the stump going off of message off of the prompter in this bizarre way that I don't know why anyone would think this would work, trying to get the support of black vote in America. No group in America has been more harmed by Hillary Clinton's policies than African Americans. No group, no group. If Hillary Clinton's goal was to inflict pain on the African-American community, she could not have done a better job. Disgrace. Tonight, I'm asking for the vote of every single African-American citizen in this country who wants to see a better future. Still on prompter here. This is all reading from the prompter. The inner cities of our country have been run by the Democratic Party for more than 50 years. Their policies have produced only poverty, joblessness, failing schools, and broken homes. 
It's time to hold democratic politicians accountable for what they have done to these communities. At what point do we say enough? At what point do we say enough? The shift from prompter to Donald Trump. It's time to hold failed leaders accountable for their results, not just their empty words over and over again. Getting ready to happen. Look at what the Democratic Party has done to the city. Here we go. Look how much African-American communities have suffered under Democratic control. To those I say the following, what do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump? What do you have to lose? Now the shift. This is where he goes off this prompter and starts talking from the heart. like he's fueled by their chants and their applause. I say it again. What do you have to lose? Look, what do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. 58% of your youth is unemployed. What the hell do you have to lose? And at the end of four years... I guarantee you that I will get over 95% of the African-American vote. I promise you. 98%, 95% of the African-American vote for Trump, Brittany Page. Right. That's that's quite the turnaround since right now he's at 1% to 2% in the polls. Yeah, and I'm sure that this speech is really going to go far in that endeavor. Right. All right, well, I got one more thing, and this kind of goes to him abridging the press, not really believing in the First Amendment. The, 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 the New York Times has come out and, and done all kinds of investigative reporting surrounding Donald Trump, not just his candidacy. Recently, they revealed that they, or they are reporting that he is $650 million in debt. His companies. His companies, that's right. Well, recently, at a rally... And I believe that it's largely because of the the factual reporting that the New York Times has done. He said this and threatened to have their credentials pulled and not allow the New York Times to cover his campaign. What a bunch. I'll tell you, in particular, lately, we have a newspaper that's failing badly. It's losing a lot of money. It's going to be out of business very soon. The New York Times, okay? I love it. And they wrote a story today. Anonymous sources have said, three anonymous sources, anonymous this, anonymous that. They don't use names. I don't really think they have any names, okay? But anonymous sources have said, there are no anonymous sources. You know, with my campaign, I'll be honest with you. It's me. It's me. They never call me. They don't call me. But these are the most dishonest people. The good news is, I love, I, you know, I put down failing at New York Times. The newspaper's going to hell. They've got a couple of reporters in that newspaper who are so bad, with, I mean, lack of talent, but it's going to hell. So I think maybe what we'll do Maybe we'll start thinking about taking their press credentials away from them. Right. So that's what you do. You remove them, I guess, because now they won't be able to do any reporting on you if they can't cover your campaign at your events. It is beyond an adversarial relationship when it comes to Trump and the press. If you don't do glowing puff pieces on him, then he has you removed from covering. Whether it be BuzzFeed or Washington Post, I mean, major outlets. Right, and I think he no longer goes on CNN for interviews now as well. Definitely with Chris Cuomo. He is, he is and maybe the whole deal. I don't know that I, I can remember him being on there. 
anymore. All right. Well, the Trump Festival of Information is not over because we're going to cover it in the next segment. Taking care of biz. So this is more like your taking care of biz segment. (laughs) Because you're the one who wanted to recognize this particular person or organization. Artist. Yes. (laughs) The fat Trump statues. Yes. That found their way all over the United States, mm-hmm. in New York, and San Francisco, I believe, Seattle, several cities. These, I'm sure you saw them, especially if you you follow the Facebook page. We posted a picture of it. The I think it's being called Fat Trump. Is that right? I believe so. And it is the statues were put up by an organization called In Decline, and they are an anonymous, an anonymous anarchist street art collective. That is how they prefer to be described. And their past works include putting the names of black victims of police brutality on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And now this statue. Well, here is an interview with the actual artist who was commissioned by this this underground guerrilla art organization. And they just asked him some questions about his work. When they found my work and my, my talents, they... They approached me and said they had to have me. Uh, I was a little skeptical and leery at first because when they first approached me, I was actually in the the mindset of voting for Trump. I, you know, liked a lot of the things he said early on. Uh, however, when he continuously put his foot in his mouth and said some horrendous things, especially about uh, women's rights to abortion. That, that started to irk me a little bit, but when he made the comment and made fun of the disabled reporter and doing this whole thing, I, I was appalled. I have family members that are uh, mentally and physically disabled, and when he did that, I in no good conscience could ever vote for a man like that. I mean, some people, some Trump supporters may say, this is ridiculing him, you know? Absolutely. The man who goes out of his way to ridicule everybody, including any women he possibly could, it, he deserves it. You know, you put yourself out there in the spotlight, you're going to get made fun of. I've been made fun of pretty viciously because of this, and I'm okay with that. It doesn't hurt me. I'm, I'm still able to lay my head down at night because I know I'm a good person. And I'm just an artist who created an art piece. And art is essentially made to create conversation to get people thinking, to get them talking, and to stir some type of emotion, and this definitely did that. What do you hope to accomplish through this? Well, again, this wasn't my political statement. I was just the artist that was tapped to bring this to fruition. I now do support the statements that are in there. I, as an artist, of course, wanted to get my name out there and show people my work and my, my skill set, and hopefully maybe get some more work out of this in the, uh, in the long run. Yeah, a little self-serving, but uh, I guess he's taking care of his for me because he is furthering this conversation. Just think about all the millions of people who are talking about this thing and about whether or not they should be ridiculing him. I saw a post from Ali Rizvi talking about that liberals, that body shaming is no good unless it's about Trump. And I just want to point out that this is art. This isn't CNN. This isn't some media organization. This isn't even the other campaign. This is an art piece. I think a lot of people had concerns that the statue is sinking down to Donald Trump's level. That's a lot of what I've seen. And again, kind of what the artist is saying is that um, this was up to interpretation, I guess. Yeah, but also... You can take it... Although (laughs) the interpretations are not wide... (laughs) And varied, I guess. Uh, there's only a couple that you could have, and they are all related to Donald Trump being unattractive. Well, yeah, true. But he, here's the deal: is listen, when a guy, why should he not be subject to his own technique, his own medicine? If he's a guy who's calling, I'd love to take some money out of her fat ass pockets. And being talking about how Rosie O'Donnell ate cake at his wedding, and he is just a fucking prick. 
Why should he not be subject to the same techniques that he employs on others? I don't believe it's sinking. I don't even know what that means, sinking down to his level. I'm all for this because you're hitting Donald Trump where it does hurt him, right in his ego, right in his little, fragile, child ego. So good for this group, good for this artist. I hope this guy gets more work. I think that's awesome. All right. Right there is where we're going to leave you. We will be back for a regular scheduled episode on Thursday morning for you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you would like to support the show other than listening twice a week or as often as you do now, go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link to support the show. There's all kinds of ways there, from Amazon to PayPal to Patreon. Every little bit goes a long way. We love you guys. Thank you for your support. It helps us do what we do. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Says who?